It's Wednesday, June the 24th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Wirecard's former boss arrested and Britain relaxes social distancing. First, the world in brief. Prosecutors in Munich said that Marcus Braun, Wirecard's former boss, has been arrested on suspicion of accounting fraud and market manipulation. Mr Braun, who quit last week after auditors revealed 1.9 billion euros, 2.1 billion dollars was missing from the German payment processing firm's balance sheet, turned himself in. He was released from custody on 5 million euro bail and will have to report to police once a week. On Monday, Wirecard revealed the 1.9 billion euros may not exist. The firm is now struggling to survive. Anthony Fauci, a leading member of the White House's coronavirus task force, warned that America was experiencing a disturbing surge in new virus cases and called for increased testing. The New York Times reported that the European Union was considering blocking travellers from the United States when the bloc reopens its borders on July 1st because of the country's failure to control the pandemic. The social distancing rule in England will be reduced from 2 metres to 1 metre plus from July 4th. Infections in Britain have been declining and Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, has faced pressure to reduce distancing requirements to mitigate the toll they have taken on businesses. Also from that day, pubs, restaurants and hairdressers will be allowed to reopen. The release of better-than-expected purchasing managers' indices from France and Germany raised hopes that Europe's economy is on the mend after the pandemic. IHS Markets Manufacturing's PMIs rose in France to 52.1 in June from 40.6 the month before, and in Germany from 36.6 to 44.6. Any figure above 50 indicates expansion. India escalated a tit-for-tat row by expelling half the staff of Pakistan's High Commission in New Delhi and shrinking its own in Islamabad by a similar proportion. Three weeks ago, India expelled two Pakistanis, accusing them of espionage. Last week, two Indian diplomats were arrested in the Pakistani capital for a hit-and-run. On their return, they claimed to have been tortured. Almazbek Atambayev, president of Kyrgyzstan between 2011 and 2017, was given an 11-year prison sentence for illegally releasing a mobster in 2013. Mr Atambayev claimed the charges against him are politically motivated. He was arrested in August 2019 after a two-day standoff between his supporters and special forces officers in which one officer was killed and six taken hostage. Singapore's Prime Minister Lee Hsien Loon announced that a general election will be held on July 10th, saying that he was satisfied that a vote can be held safely. Some opposition parties criticised the move, arguing that an early election could endanger public health during the coronavirus pandemic. The government is required to call an election by April 2021. And editor's note. An early version of our news brief on Apple yesterday gave the mistaken impression that ARM is owned by Apple. It isn't. Rather, the processes that Apple is to build in-house will be based on ARM designs. And now, here's today's agenda. Pandemic prognosis. The world economy. The IMF will update its economic forecasts today. In April, the fund said the global economy would shrink by 3% in 2020 and warned of a deeper contraction should the COVID-19 pandemic not fade away in the second half of the year. Since then, other forecasters, such as those at the OECD, a club of mostly rich countries, have been more pessimistic. 
Yet there are signs that global growth is rebounding from the first wave of outbreaks and lockdowns. American retail sales surged in May. This week's surveys of business sentiment in Europe showed fast improvement. The big question is whether the IMF's economists think the rebound will be sufficiently strong and sustained to return GDP to normal levels quickly, or whether the recovery will be strung out. The answer depends both on the trajectory of the pandemic and on how fast economic stimulus is withdrawn. Neither factor is easy to predict. Tough subjects. The UN Security Council meets. The United Nations Security Council will meet today around the chamber's horseshoe-shaped table to discuss the Israel-Palestine conflict and the war in Yemen. Neither is in great shape. Thousands of Palestinians protested in Jericho on Monday in response to President Donald Trump's peace plan, which would allow Israel to annex parts of the occupied West Bank. In Yemen, which was suffering the world's worst humanitarian crisis even before the pandemic, COVID-19 cases are rising rapidly. Three-fifths of the 15,500 fatalities from political violence that occurred across the Middle East in the first six months of this year occurred in the country, according to an authoritative estimate. But the Security Council now has some fresh faces to tackle these festering problems. Last week, India, Ireland, Mexico, Norway and Kenya were elected as non-permanent members of the Council for two-year terms, joining the permanent five, America, Britain, China, France and Russia. Trump's chum. Poland's president at the White House. President Donald Trump today welcomes the first foreign leader to the White House since the coronavirus pandemic began. Andrzej Duda, Poland's president, has come to discuss security, health and development. The unexpected visit announced last week has raised eyebrows in both countries. Mr Duda is standing for re-election on June 28th. So the timing of the visit has drawn criticism from Elliot Engel, chairman of America's House Foreign Affairs Committee, who called it highly inappropriate, citing the pandemic as well as steps by Mr Duda and the ruling Law and Justice Party to undermine their judiciary and recent homophobic statements. In Poland, Mr Duda is ahead in opinion polls, but his lead over his main rival, Rafał Czarskowski, Warsaw's Liberal Mayor, has narrowed. The race will probably go to a runoff on July 12th. Today's meeting will please Mr Duda's supporters as evidence of Poland's close relationship with America, but that will not guarantee his re-election. Bad timing. Putin's parade in Moscow. Holding a military parade in the middle of a pandemic may seem like an ill-conceived idea. Not to President Vladimir Putin, whose electoral rating has plummeted to its lowest level since he became president. Officially, the parade, postponed from May 9th, commemorates Russia's victory over Nazi Germany. The new date is symbolic. 75 years ago today, Stalin held a military parade in Red Square to mark the triumph of one totalitarian system over another. Mr Putin's parade is meant to mark his alleged victory over COVID-19 and, most importantly, mobilise Russians to vote for changes to the country's constitution. They would allow him to rule in effect as an absolute monarch until at least 2036, with no regard for international rules and norms. The voting, which starts the day after the parade, will have no threshold, stretch over a week and will be hard to verify. For the avoidance of doubt, Mr Putin is getting in his victory parade first. Down and out. The Liberal Democrats. Five years ago, Nick Clegg was Deputy Prime Minister and the Liberal Democrats held 56 seats in Britain's Parliament. These days they hold 11, 
having been wiped out in the 2015 general election and then failing to mount a recovery in 2017 and 2019. Today, nominations open in the contest to find their fourth leader since Mr Clegg's resignation. He now works at Facebook. Jo Swinson, the most recent to hold office, lost her seat in the general election in December. One candidate is Sir Ed Davey, a former energy secretary. Lena Moran, another challenger, says the party should shift leftward. The Lib Dems thrived in the consensual politics of the late 1980s and 1990s, slaloming to the right of Labour and the left of the Conservatives. But backing austerity in government and opposing Brexit outside of it has ripped apart the party's once wide coalition of voters in university towns and the rural southwest. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Ambrose Bierce, who was born on this day in 1842. A popular author is one who writes what the people think. Genius invites them to think something else. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.